Hello and welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Hogue and Dan Usher. Yes, that Usher, the famous country music star. Don't say I didn't warn you. So today's sponsors are... Uh, today we're brought to you by the letter Entropy. And uh, uh, what's that other one called? Oh, it's right towards the end of the alphabet. Uh, yeah, yes, coma. Mm, coma's a good one. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, happy 2016, dude. <laughs> is, is, is that what it is? Apparently. Excellent. Well, you know, it was a fun vacation while it lasted. So... What exactly did you do? Because it sounded, or at least it looked like, you were gone for 12 weeks out on a boat. Uh, no, no. Uh, well, you know, we, we took some time off. We did some stuff. Uh, I almost went into the drink a couple times, uh, whether that was the vodka or the ocean. Who really knows? And uh, made it back to the U.S. eventually. Um, okay. I don't know what that means. So I'll just, uh, yeah. That's the way life goes, man. Got to keep you guessing. Mm. Okay. You ever have that moment where you go ahead and you put a bunch of show notes in OneNote and then auto-update kicks in and closes everything because updates on the Mac for oh, office clients are like 700 megs a piece? But they're broken up by app. Yeah. Yeah. Are they, though? Can I actually... One note, one drive, DF, no, one note, note, one note. Uh, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Nope, doesn't like it. Uh, if only this stuff was available on the web. If only. So if you do want to go to the office or the uh, <clears throat> get the inside scoop on what Dan and Scott are up to, your best bet is... I don't know. So probably head on over to pub.brewery.fm forward slash brewery. Uh, which episode is this? 34? 034. Could be 34. Could be 35. It's all in the editing. Mm, got it. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of things to go check out, uh, just because you said to go do it, decided to open up the Microsoft auto update. And I remember they did this about a week ago when I ran the update. I downloaded a couple gigabytes of data over my phone by accident. Um, <clears throat> notice I said the Microsoft Auto Update tool was getting an update. I kind of scratched my head and I said, hmm, okay, interesting. Well, you know, that happens from time to time. The updaters need updates. Oh, that's true. That's true they do. Um, Let's see. Ooh, OneNote open. Did you know it has shapes now? I can keep my chart axes straight. Uh, no, wait, keeping your chart axis straight, have your mood sloping down. That is a horrible joke. Who writes these things? Uh, have you read the notes, update notes for Slack? Mm, I like their stuff. Their stuff's funny. Okay. Well, um, anyway, the folks over on the office team, 
uh, had that update and at least for me, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and I was like, okay, they're doing continual updates. That's nice, whatever. Uh, so tonight, as I open that, there's a little checkbox that says, join the Office Insider program to get early access to new releases, learn more. And if you go out to the Office 365 blog for today, January 21st, 2016, um, <clears throat> they announced Office Insider builds now available for Mac and more. So what does that mean? Um, basically, the whole idea of getting uh, the latest and greatest broken functionality you too can now be a part of. Um, so it's, uh, it's, you know, the new capabilities that they're slowly adding into office to essentially beta test and collect telemetry on, uh, to look at and see, you know, do people use these things? Do people just, uh, kind of toy around with some of the new capability, but never actually adopt it. Um, kind of neat, but, uh, I guess since I have that checkbox checked now, my office on Mac will be better than ever. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah sure uh you can continue to hope that uh you know one of the fun things uh and you're probably up to date on all this um uh being as tied in as you are to things uh but did you see the support note that as of february 2016 they're going to start pushing office 2016 out to office 365 tenants uh, i did not notice that it's kind of crazy Ooh. Yeah, you didn't catch that one. Yeah, so we've been on Office 2013 for three, four years now, right? Uh, So it was time, and we've been pushing Office 2013. So uh, the kind of click-to-run builds and and all that good stuff, uh, sometime in February, there was a note uh, in a couple of the tenants that I have that went ahead and uh, popped that up in the message center. It turns out they actually have really interesting things in there sometimes. So basically correct me if I'm wrong, but that means now when someone goes to download office, it'll tell them to go download office 2016 instead of office 2013. Uh, It will do that as well as uh, push office 2016 as part of the updates. So rather than grabbing like your regular monthly update, you're actually going to grab a new office client which could be really fun if you haven't actually planned for that change. So I guess one way around that, though, is to make certain that your users are using the old technology with uh, MSI builds and Mac activation keys or have that uh, joyous key management server on-prem, not ever let your users talk to the cloud. Uh, Correct, or deploy all your updates and everything else from on-prem. Let me see, where is that? Managing licenses, SharePoint sites. Hold on, I know it's in here. Um, SharePoint online sites. I'm sure you saw that one. E-discovery, stay up to date. Mm, it's now, not in this tenant. Now you just sound like you're reading from uh, SharePoint online. <laughs> sort of, uh, kind of. Yeah, mm, I am. Uh, plan for change. Let's go into that one. Managing your licenses, stay up to date. No, not in this tenant. Uh, that's kind of annoying. Uh, but this tenant does have the note about Internet Explorer going away. That's always nice. Yeah. So <clears throat> you want to talk about that for a minute? Mm, absolutely. Let's do it because it just kind of happened, right? Well, it happened nine days ago. But uh, all sorts of fun things happened with Internet Explorer. So 
for me. Um, I work most of the time in a split user base between Windows and uh, Mac, um, but I occasionally hop onto like a Linux box that has a beautiful KDE representation um, <clears throat> of X Windows. And uh, yeah, so I mean, those my Linux boxes I didn't really have to worry about. My uh, joyous Mac boxes didn't really have to worry about. But yeah, the switch over to Microsoft Edge and or IE 11, I guess, because they got rid of 9 and 10, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So the switch- <laughs> Well, they, they, they didn't get rid of them. They stopped supporting, supporting them. Oh, and, and really by stop supporting them, they stopped pushing security updates and all those kinds of things, uh, which happens when products uh, EOL, right? Like that's a pretty known thing. So should we have... Uh- a little walk for them and talk about them lovingly. No, 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 there will be no death marches or anything. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, yeah. So for me, it was a interesting experience because a lot of organizations that, uh, you know, are, uh, building applications on top of IE and other things. Um, they don't really, you know, typically they'll build an app and they don't want to have to go back through and, uh, do all the work to get up to date and, you know, continually provide support for these little applications they build on top of IE. So when they got migrated from seven and eight to nine, they kind of just, you know, they drew a line in the line in the sand and said, okay, we're done. We're not, we're not going to do any more work on these, uh, things, so to speak. And then we turn around and boom, <clears throat> everybody knew this was coming because Microsoft did announce it maybe about six months ago, but you know, nine and 10, all of a sudden gone, that means everybody on their Windows XP and Windows 7 boxes looking for an upgrade path to IE 11 just really wasn't there. And further, what are they going to do to all these applications they've built on top of IE 9? Um, so a little bit of a, you know, from a consulting perspective and from a uh, application developer perspective, great spot to be because you can go in and help to get them moved along. But for everybody else out in the world that are hold, <coughs> trying to hold on to you know, uh, technology not getting away from them. They're scratching their heads going, what the heck? Mm, maybe, but, you know, if they read the docs and kept up with things, uh, there's a huge investment in uh, enterprise site compatibility and uh, being able to push uh, enterprise site lists through IE 11. So, you know, when you're in that corporate environment and have to manage that change, mm, I would say they've almost bent over backwards to make sure that your IE six websites will still work in IE 11. Uh, you know, there, there's been quite a bit that's done there as long as organizations actually put in the effort to publish those enterprise site lists and uh, kind of all the compatibility stuff that needs to go out with that. So I think a lot of folks tend to sit back and kind of just, mm, cross their fingers and hope that things are going to go well because, uh, you know, if, if you're an organization that has, you know, uh, 20 or 200 or 2000 custom web applications, it's really hard to go and test all those things. True. Uh, I won't argue with on that. I mean, that goes down to just cost of ownership of applications and knowing how to, uh, be certain that you are covering your bases. So, Yeah, so all you do is go back and set everything to, like, IE8 mode and... uh, Hope for the best. Yeah, go from there. Um, 
So taking a step back topic wise, um, the whole notion of uh, doing that deployment, like you were talking about offline, um, probably about a year ago, all of a sudden there was a lot of hustle and bustle inside the Microsoft community about uh, doing <clears throat> these deployments for click to run for Office 365 products using the Office deployment tools. Um, so there's a great article out there that allows you to do that uh, pretty easily. Basically, you're deploying a custom XML file um, to help Office click to run installer know where it's actually pointing to. Um, but again, you can also control uh, how your users are pulling down updates. And, you know, if you have a GPO that says, no, they can't use Windows Update, um, and forcing them to always go back to a centralized management point for like System Center, Operations Manager, um, you can pretty well control how they're going to get their updates and hopefully prevent them from having that Office 2016 issue uh, pop up. Mm, yeah, so I, I found that. Uh, and unfortunately, the additional information link just, you know, links out to TechNet for, hey, here's how to do an upgrade. Uh, so let's see. So beginning uh, February 2016, uh, Office 2016 current branch uh, will be available. Uh, the first release for current branch for, um, has been available since September, and we are now making this broadly available to Office 365 customers. Uh, how does this affect me? Current branch is the default update branch, right? For Office of Office 2016, for Office 365 Pro Plus subscriptions. And uh, what do you need to do to prepare for this change? Uh, you review the update guidance and you cross your fingers and hope for the best because all your users are getting a new version of Office because you have not deployed the centralized management endpoint or system center or some other tooling. Whoops. <laughs> uh, that's okay. You know, the note expires. Uh, oh, yep, exactly on that leap day. Uh, so it'll just disappear to the ether and never be available again. Nice. Um, wow. So I don't really have a good transition for this, so I'm just going to dive right in. Uh, Keep going. Got to do just what you got to do. Um, barrel on. So our favorite article, or our favorite guys over at 9to5Mac, uh, put together a interesting comparison of all of the, uh, I guess it was put together by Kurt Schmucker, um, who works for the Parallels company. Um, so if you're familiar with Parallels, it's the, uh, it's the VMware of <coughs> good old Mac. Um, anyway, they put together a kind of comparison of what the different versions of Office provide for um, capability-wise across, you know, your Windows device, uh, your iPad, your joyous uh, Office 2016 for Mac, um, as well as your Office 2011 for Mac. And they compared that and contrasted it against the Windows 2013 and 2016 builds. Um, so he went through and he does kind of a decent job of you know showing the checkboxes. Uh, I personally would have prefer, uh, preferred uh, Harvey, <coughs> Harvey Balls, but that's just me. So it'd be more Consumer Reports-esque. Uh, but yeah, he goes through and just you know kind of breaks it down. Um, it's it's interesting to me, I guess, just because you start looking and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we've put out uh, or you see all this stuff about how these apps exist out there. But then you actually start looking at uh, what the capabilities are that are provided for and you start noticing that there's some gaps here and there. So you start kind of scratching your head going, well, if I, if I don't have that capability, is it really going to matter to me? Am I really going to want to use that piece of software? Um, 
may not matter for a lot of folks. I know uh, probably you and I kind of giggled, maybe not giggled, but uh, you know when we initially looked at things like Office uh, apps and you know Word Online. We looked at it and we said, well, this is a nice fancy text editor, but there's not a whole lot of capability that sometimes I use when I'm building documents that need all the advanced capabilities of the offline client. Um, Similar in nature, you start looking at, you know, iPad um, version of Word and you start scratching your head going, well, I can't embed fonts. What's the point? Like, I can't do these advanced functions. So I guess it does still... uh, leave the door open for saying, yep, I need to keep a desktop around that has full office on it. Yeah. I mean, that's going to always happen for some time, right? These things are going to take years and years and years and years to reach full feature parity if ever they do. Uh, So, you know, sometimes you got to be thankful for what you get. Uh, It's really nice to know upfront, you know, kind of what you're getting and limitations and, uh, what's going on there. And, you know, it's not just office clients or things like that, uh, you know, to, to drag it back to the real world. So, um, earlier this week, I had a question from somebody who, uh, kind of dialed into, uh, one of the support channels and, uh, at the office and said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing on Yammer and I can't do it. And they were trying to create a group and, uh, you know, Yammer is a pretty open tool and you go, well, you just go to the website and, uh, you know, here's a quick reference guide that I put together for you and here's how you create a group and here's what you do. And they send me a screenshot and they say, that's not on the website for me. I don't see those features. Uh, and the screenshot they sent me was a screenshot of an iPad. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're not on the website, you're on the iPad and that thing does not work over there. Uh, so if you look through a lot of these matrices that are on that nine to five Mac article, it's the same way. Uh, it's available on windows. Uh, it's available on the iPad, but it's not available on the Mac. It's available on the Mac and it's available on the iPad, but it's not available on windows. And this thing is not available on anything but windows. Uh, so it bleeds across the entire stack, right? It's, it's not just office and everything else, but, uh, they do have some fun little, uh, charts going on in there. Yeah, they do. I wouldn't say they're awesome, but, uh, they are, you know, at least a little helpful reference, especially if you start looking through, uh, the Microsoft documentation, I have not found a good chart that they've put out that has uh, kind of the cross, you know, everything I know, um, participating in some of the EM jams back in like September, October, uh, they had definitely stressed that they were, you know, working towards making office parody, um, you know, parody across all the different platforms. But like you said, maybe years and years till we actually see that. Yeah. It'd be pretty nifty if they had one of those in kind of those, uh, service description format, right. Uh, but a service description or uh, I, I guess they could call it, still call it an SD and do it as a software description. Here's what we do across platforms and everything else. Having that kind of uh, good, better, best comparison that they've tended to shy away from ever. Remember they used to do those back in like 2010? So for like Office 2010, they used to publish white papers that would say good, better, best, and they would tie it into 
SharePoint and CRM and kind of all the server stack things. And they would say, here's where you're going to have this experience. And when you use Office 2007 with SharePoint 2010, here's what's going to happen. And when you use Office 2010 with SharePoint 2013, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and they've just totally gotten away from those good, better, best comparisons, which is kind of sad. That it is, my friend, that it is. Maybe at some point they will uh, put that back out. Maybe after, maybe after like the 2016 build of uh, SharePoint um, goes into release candidate mode. If only that stuff was around. I know. I know. Someday. Um, so speaking of which, uh, beta two came out last November. Um, everybody got excited. I decided to tweet about that. Uh, just for jollies to see if anybody would notice that there's a difference between beta two and RC. Um, RC came out, uh, yesterday. So if you haven't had a chance to go download it, uh, highly suggest that you go download SharePoint 2013. I mean, 2016 and, uh, start playing around, playing around with some of the hybrid capabilities. Um, hopefully, Hopefully, uh, it will, you know, be something of use to you in your, in your job space. Um, they do have a couple Q and a things that have popped up. I don't know who fed the questions to them on this. Uh, one was, you know, can I actually do a upgrade from 2016 beta two to RC? Um, if you did any of the, uh, playing with 2013 and you had the, uh, beta that they released and then you went and downloaded like the, uh, release candidate and you said, okay, I'm going to upgrade this. Uh, you got a lovely message that popped up and said, sorry, you can't do that. So, uh, apparently with this version, you can, um, <clears throat> the other thing that, uh, kind of popped up is InfoPath form services. So everybody always has good questions about this and it always tends to be the, well, is there still going to be a client or a SharePoint designer client? Um, so the official word on the street is uh, InfoPath 2013 and SharePoint Destroyer 2013 are the last versions of that product. Uh, and Designer 2013 is not going to be re-released with SharePoint Server. And InfoPath, well, uh, Forum Services are still there in 2016, and so it'll still be there in 365, so it'll be there in 2016 um, for a while, hopefully. At least that's what it would seem like. So nothing has changed in the last year, right? You could have just said, yep, nothing's changed. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like beating a dead horse at this point. Like, yeah, sorry, stuff's gone. Get over it. Yep. Uh, you know, so I saw the article about the uh, RC coming out, the release candidate there, and uh, I had a bit of a chuckle. So, um our, our friend uh, Becky Isserman, um, she's over at Avpoint now, and she's been doing a lot of work around the new hybrid features in 2016. Mm -hmm. And she'd been uh, doing some stuff and uh, queuing up a blog post for the official Avpoint blog around uh, what's going on with hybrid and kind of how to turn some things on and get it all working. And the day that they decided to publish her blog post for the five steps to configure hybrid features in SharePoint 2016 beta two, uh, it was the same exact day that the RC dropped in a cruel twist of fate. So, uh, I think she might have to go back and retool that and see if anything's changed. Mm. Yeah, uh, it might be, uh, might be helpful. Um, 
we should probably tech edit her articles in the future. Notice there's not a space between the AD and the FS. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you could do that if you went to work for Avpoint. Mm. I mean, I'm sure they would love to have you. Good old Avpoint. They're they're good people. They got uh, Ducks Raymond Sai. They've got Becky Iserman. Um, Isaac's over there. Isaac went back, eh? Uh, did he leave? Uh, maybe he's still there. Good point. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm thinking. Oh, we'll about, cut that part out. Yeah, I'm thinking about his days at. There's uh, some other company that he worked for. Um, Microsoft. Yeah, he was there. No, it was that other small company that uh, began with a micro. It got mm. bought by oh, HP. The HP one, uh, Micropoint. Yeah, no, micro no, that's not it. They were uh, they were bought by it was something like they were yeah 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 something or other company owned by HP um, search company HP uh, who the heck knows autonomy yeah yeah so they were an autonomy that has nothing to do with micro yeah no they were something or other it, it was an autonomy company mm, yeah I think it was Micropoint. And you'll you'll figure it out. Go back on LinkedIn and look where um like Toby McRail or something used to work. Good point. Yeah. Yep. Get on that. Make that happen. We'll do. Research. Yeah. Follow up. So speaking of uh Toby McGrail, uh if you happen to know him, you should send him a note and remind him that they should uh do a SharePoint Saturday down in Virginia Beach sometime soon. Mm, yeah, no, there's no more SharePoint Saturday Virginia Beach this this year, which is kind of sad, right? Yeah. I mean, I know I know Susan Lennon has been super busy uh, with life and work, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that uh, there's no no fun of the good old uh, SharePoint Saturday Virginia Beach. I know we talked to uh, Toby and a couple others about seeing if they wanted to try and get it spun up, but unfortunately it did not happen. So such is life. Yeah. Mm. There's always next year. So if you're not friends with him on LinkedIn, you should definitely go hit him up and uh, get to know him. He's a good guy. Yep. I put a link to his blog in there so people can bug him through his contact form because he says that uh, people should contact him. So maybe he'll be a little surprised. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, Microlink. That's what it was. Microlink. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I said Micropoint. Same difference. Really? Yep, Come on. Yep, yep. You can't be little me over a point versus a link. Well, uh, links. Things point to links or links point to places. It's all the same. Mm. Anyway, uh, we should probably get back to the script. Yeah, this is going in the notes. Uh, Pub.breweryfm slash brewery03 something or other. Yeah, um, I like it. Bam. It's on the internet. It's got to be real. So I wonder if uh, Timothy Farrow has a, has a contact me. No, see, it's not the same. You're forcing it now. Yeah. Just, just drop it. Uh, let's get back to the other stuff. What were we talking about? SharePoint, SharePoint. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. SharePoint stuff. Um, so, uh, one of the cool things that got announced, I don't know if you saw this one or not. Uh, they're introducing mandatory link expiration into SharePoint online and OneDrive for business. So, um, 
this is one of those interesting IT control things, right? Where uh, within Office 365 tenancies, uh, you have the ability to control all the external sharing and what happens there as an admin. And you can say, uh, thou shalt not have anonymous links or, um, yay, we can have anonymous links. Um, and for organizations that have said, yay, we can have anonymous links. Mm, that's really nice and all, but uh, sometimes it's nice to have the ability to uh, expire those things or just, mm, you know, really go back and clean things up. Uh uh, what's what's the way they described it? Uh, good link hygiene, right? Um, so it's very good to brush your links and make sure you floss occasionally. Uh, so this feature is being re uh, introduced through first release, and then it's going to have that great broader, uh, you know, everybody else rollout. Uh, but one of the really cool things about it is it lets you set a mandatory expiration length. Uh, for all anonymous links created within uh, the tenancy. So that's for everything that exists in SharePoint Online. Uh, and because uh, OneDrive for Business is part of that as well, OneDrive for Business. So uh, what you can actually do is go ahead and set a uh, link expiration uh, period in days. So from the day that link is created, it basically lives for X number of days and then goes away. So if your organization happens to say, we want to expire everything after 30 days, uh, excellent. You now have the ability to do that, maybe, if you have first release turned on. Um, so that's really neat. Uh, it doesn't actually take away the ability to uh, generate anonymous links. So if it does expire and somebody says, hey, that link doesn't work anymore, uh, you can always go ahead and uh, just recreate the link and it gets a new unique URL and pushes things through. So this is a nice balance between having anonymous access enabled uh, for anything really uh, and having some operational control in place to go back and uh, kind of curtail that and make sure that things are cleaned up, right? You don't want somebody to leave the company and then have anonymous links hanging out for two years because you forgot to disable their account or uh, something like that. So the real question to me on this though is, have they made it so you can share a folder yet inside OneDrive for Business <laughs> with an anonymous link? Uh, no. Yeah. Still not there. Uh, just remember, there's no such thing as a stupid question, just stupid people. Well, uh, so, so there's a, there's uh, a great yeah, little yeah. write-up about this over on psconfig.com. You should go check that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll have that linked in the show notes, right? Oh, wait, that's you. Yeah, yeah, that, that is me, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, yeah, link hygiene, blah, 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 link expiration. Uh, oh, uh, there was one really other cool thing about this. Um so as a feature, when you turn it on, so if you go in and you have anonymous links enabled and you don't have this bit turned on, uh, your users can actually, you know, kind of uh, choose a period of time for links to expire. So they can say, uh, you know, I want links to never expire. I want links to expire in 30 days or 90 days. It's It's got some defaults in there. Uh, if you go ahead and flip this feature on, it actually disables that thing uh, and takes away the choice from your users. So it not only sets the policy, but it cleans up the UI a little bit, uh, which I was pleasantly surprised about because usually they don't clean up the UI for things, right? There's all sorts of janky, broken stuff in SharePoint Online that 
exists from on-prem and it's still in 365, but it doesn't work because it's an on-prem only thing. Uh, but they're going to clean that up and make it happen. So I was very happy to see that. Cool. No, that's actually, that's great news. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, thanks. I mean, I didn't do anything, but yeah. <laughs> but you found it and you reported on it. That's, uh, yeah. Um, other interesting stuff in the Office 365 world? Anything? Uh, let's see. Office 365. Uh, yeah. So they added the ability to manage Yammer licenses individually. Um, so very much like they introduced the capability for Sway uh, a month or so ago or two months or whatever it was. I don't know. Time flies when you're having Office 365. Uh, you can now manage your Yammer user licenses uh, just like you do other individual services. So in the past, uh, if you assign somebody an E3, you could never take away their Yammer license. Everybody kind of had one by default and they got the Yammer Enterprise thing or uh, an E5 or whatever, really anything that had Yammer included in its Office 365 SKU. Um, and they're going ahead and making that so you can uncheck the little checkbox. Or maybe you have a user who you want just to have Yammer, and you don't want them to have uh, some other part of the license, Sway, Office Online, something like that. Um, so th that's pretty nice to see, right? Kind of brings parity in there. Uh, so I think the only thing you can't shut off now is MDM uh, for like E3s and higher because uh, it's just baked into the license. So uh, it's always nice to see the little checkboxes and th see things manifest themselves uh, outside of the SKU packs. But you know one thing that uh, they can't control? Mm, what can they not control? Enlighten me. One drive for business. <laughs> Why would you want to shut that off? That's what gives us these proliferation of anonymous links and data leakage and all the other things. Well, and since nobody can share a folder anonymously, I mean, who really cares, right? It's not like they can actually do anything. So have you upgraded to the uh, new and improved sync client? I have. I have upgraded to the new and improved sync client on both Mac and Windows. I am living the dream. So my favorite part of the new sync client is uh, the old sync client still has to run for your SharePoint team sites. Um, and what's even better is when you had a lovely secondary SharePoint uh, document library inside your OneDrive for business and you were syncing it and you try and sync it now, you get a lovely error message about authentication. It's wonderful. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, so that is the old, uh, one drive, two drive, three drive trick, yep. right? That was to get by the good old, uh, number of, uh, the 20,000 item problem that you ran into with one drive for business. So, yeah, uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of little fun, uh, things in there. Um, I especially like how, uh, not every time. Uh, but exactly every other time uh, I reboot my Windows 10 box that has the new sync client installed, uh, it makes me go ahead and re-sign in and reconfigure the client uh, two times, right? Because you get to configure it for the consumer side uh, and then for the enterprise side as well. Yep. So, I, I mean, that's that's really awesome. I'm, I'm glad that they like to have me do that. Um, I, I would 
think it would be like an authentication token timeout or something like that. But no, it's actually every other time I reboot. So, um, which I'm on a Lenovo X1 Carbon these days. Uh, so I reboot about every three hours when you know a driver goes bad. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like I said, man, I'm living the dream. Mm. You're missing out. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm missing, but yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're missing all the things. Trust me. So I noticed you posted this uh, this link in here about the. Office 365 data and where it's located. Mm, yes. Um, uh, so the way this one's been annoying me lately. Well, so but. the trace route trick, uh, it's actually kind of funny that um, I guess you came across a good way of how they map and what they show to. Um, yeah. The way that we used to do this in the past was actually a much much, much simpler way where we would uh, go through and do a speed test. Um, and we would do that speed test from a server in Azure. Um, but we'd also do a path ping to see what our path was to a certain IP address range and then check that against uh, AirRink to see where the IP address actually was like registered to uh, uh, region wise. So that's how we would kind of figure that out. But this, this looks fairly interesting what you've written up on uh, your psconfig blog. Um, Wait, so, so hold on. Yeah. Doing doing speed tests and manual pings and everything through that's easier than just looking for a designation like DM one. Yeah. In a trace route. Okay. Yeah. So, Uh, so so back (laughs) in your your definition of easy and mine are are totally different because in the past, you know, we would go look at like outlook, right? We, we'd actually be able to go in and see like the pod we were deployed against. And then they ripped that out of the UI because they're, they're mean, mean people. So yeah, I actually learned this trick from a, um, uh, from a guy in Australia. So, uh, Aaron Dinich, uh, and, uh, you know, I've got his post linked in there to uh, a thing he put on LinkedIn. So, um, he works for Microsoft down there. And, uh, back when I lived in Oz, uh, you know, we were going through this whole thing of when is office 365 coming to, uh, coming to the continent and what does that mean for APAC and when are folks and customers going to get moved across and what does it mean when I create a tenant today versus a tenant yesterday and all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, you know, I always thought that was great. The problem was, or the, I guess the thing that I've always run into uh, is those codes are kind of cryptic, right? So uh, for some of them, they're pretty easy to figure out. So a data center that's um, HKN or HKX uh, or HK2, um, HK, I can assume that's Hong Kong. Um, you, you know, that's that's pretty easy and, and I can grok that. Uh, VI1, I would never figure out that VI1 is Austria or that HE1 is uh, Finland uh, and getting those pieces across. So, uh, you, you know, there, there's all sorts of um, uh, little tricks to get out there. And uh, they do have the data map. So you can do that whole uh, o365datacentermap.azurewebsites.net. And you can go region by region. And, you know, it says, hey, we have a data center in uh, Quincy, Washington, and Chicago, Illinois, and San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and you have no idea what those things map back to because why keep it all sane and what's going on? So, 
Uh, I, you know, the trace route thing's pretty quick to me. Um, and then, you know, I threw that table out there. It just, uh, it's a combination of a table from, um, uh, what is it from? Oh, from the, uh, office 365 client performance analyzer, uh, support page. So, uh, good luck to those who ever found this table randomly. Um, and to be honest, I think I was doing some like RCA connectivity analysis and ended up on a help page. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Oh wait. Yeah. That all maps back to that stuff. So I should probably write that down. Um, so that's what all that stuff's born out of. And here I thought you had done something super awesome. I had, I aggregated three support articles into one, uh, because why rely on Microsoft to do that? Now I shall just have to remember that your blog exists (laughs) or go to the show notes. Me too. You know, I was looking up, uh, I had one of those moments of, uh, clarity earlier, uh, you know, where sometimes you hit a problem you've had and you Google for it and you see the URL pop up and you're like, really? I'm one of only like three people who have written about this thing. (laughs) Um, I forget what it was. Oh, uh, ADFS sign-in page customizations and and things like that. So, uh, you know, trying to dial some of that in and and figure some of that stuff out. I was like, I've done this in the past and I remember doing it. And where is it? And oh yeah, lo and behold, I wrote a blog article about it. So it came back to help me. Mm. Yeah, I know for the longest time, I think I was one of two or three people that was writing about client certificate authentication for SharePoint and it got really annoying when I just look up blog articles or comments and blogs and it would be me and I'd be like, great. So I can help myself. Wait, no. Um, but yeah, no, it's always fun, you know, good reference at least to be able to find things you've already written that hopefully at least spur on new ideas. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, I was having that conversation with, um, somebody the other day. So, um, uh, I presented at, uh, the Jacksonville SharePoint user group uh, earlier tonight. And uh, I also did like a two and a half hour presentation at work. Uh, so my voice is uh, thoroughly shot, but um, you know, the ice and vodka is helping. Uh, but we were having a conversation about uh, some of those things that SharePoint supports and doesn't support from an authentication standpoint. Uh, and they were going ahead and they were, uh, looking at CACs for, for some things. And I was like, um, yeah, you, you know, SharePoint doesn't do that. Right. And, uh, we, we walked down that nice twisted road of, um, uh, SharePoint doesn't do authentication and all those wonderful things. So I, I always find it interesting that, uh, you know, the conversations often come back to basics like that, or I guess what you and I might consider to be basics. Good old basics. Yeah. I always, I always feel bad too, because you know, you'll, you'll jump into a meeting and uh, you'll sit down and you'll start just driving down and some of the finer details of configuration and whatnot. And you'll have that new person on the team or on the project and they'll be looking at you, you know, slack jawed going, uh, what's he talking about? Um, I always feel bad at that moment. I have to, you know, take a 10,000 10, foot step back and say, okay, we have this thing called federation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, so I was actually doing the authentication talk tonight at Jack's bug and it was, uh, I've learned through giving that talk, uh, 
all over the place and, and kind of beating it to death that everyone's eyes roll into the back of their heads when you bring up the concepts of SAML and WS Fed and WS Trust uh, and what's a relying party and what's an IDP and what's the actual definition of single sign-on and all those things. And it's all on one slide and, and I can just see the eyes rolling um, you know, as soon as you bring up the slide. So I did remember to couch it today and say like, hey, this is what I consider to be um, 101 material. Uh, to go through and implement these kinds of things, right? Like if you want to do a federation, you should probably understand what single sign-on, a relying party, an IDP. Uh, you should understand uh, what a token is and uh, the difference between SAML 1.1 and SAML 2.0 and all those kinds of fun things. Um, but yeah, you might have to do some research and, and get up to speed. So one of my goals for resolutions or whatever for 2016 is to get a lot better at setting expectations, right? And, and kind of walking into those conversations and saying, uh, my expectation for you is that you know this. If you don't already know this, then my expectation is that you learn it. Um, and, you know, it's not for me to teach you how to learn it, but I'm more than willing to impart what you need to learn and, and give you kind of the, uh, you know, the, the pointer in the right direction. Yeah, what we consider to be 100 level. That's always fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've I've kind of given up on it. So I figure if maybe if I just start stamping a disclaimer on everything, like uh, yes, I'm going to talk very fast. It's going to be very geeky, and it's going to hurt your head. Done. Yeah. On to the next thing. So I think it was last year when you weren't at uh, at uh, which conference is that uh, Live 360 down in Orlando. And I was doing the worst uh, worst practices of SharePoint talk, and there were two guys that we had met the year before that were exchange junkies, and they were now stepping into the SharePoint online world. And I think you know we we talk about uh, things about site collections and permissions and making certain users don't remove like the all claim uh, if you want a site to be accessible to all your users. And, uh, I talked to him afterwards. I was like, so did you guys get anything out of that? Was it good? Was it helpful? Was it, you know, able to help you guys steer, uh, in the right direction? And one of the guys turned to me and he was like, he lost me after the word site collection. And I was just like, Oh, that was like the second <laughs> example. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. You zoned out three and a half hours ago. Uh, but you know, uh, eventually we'll get back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah.